0: On the scene, I myself have been to the scenes of, of, of fatalities, of direct hits to houses. And, and when we're driving on the road and the air raid siren goes off and I have 15 seconds, all I do is pull to stop, jump out of the car and lie down on the ground, head down.
1: And welcome to this very special edition of EMS One Stop. It's EMS Week here in the United States, uh, and so first of all, a very happy EMS Week. But EMS around the world is not having a week; it's having a month. And today, I am going to go straight to Jerusalem. I'm going to talk to the uh, director of operations of United Hadzala, and we'll explain what that is in a second. And welcome. Dov Maisel. Dov, thank you so much for sparing what is a heck of a month to talk to me today.
0: Always, always here, Rob. When you call, I, I stand up and I'm ready to answer.
1: Well, thank you very much for that. So uh, we've been watching the world news and uh, not only do you have, uh, you know, the issue with Gaza and Hamas going on, but I'm going to just start at the beginning of the month because it wasn't just the, the, you know, the war situation that you guys are now finding yourself in. But you've done a lot of mass casualty incidents with some very serious outcomes. And for those that, uh, um, and we'll talk about that in a second. But first of all, for those that are listening, please explain what United Hatzalah is, how it's organized, and what it does around Israel.
0: So United Hatzalah, first of all, for uh, those who aren't so familiar and their Hebrew isn't so fluent, Hatzalah means rescue. So we're United Rescue of Israel. It is a volunteer-based EMS system with over 6,000 EMTs, paramedics, and doctors spread out throughout the country. It's a community-based emergency response organization, which has people spread out in every city, town, village throughout Israel um, uh, with first responders, uh, volunteer first responders with all the life-saving equipment in their car, using ambicycles, 1,000 motorcycles spread out in the densely populated areas, ambulances, etc. Uh, serving the community um, and responding to medical emergencies on a daily basis, approximately 1,800 emergencies every single day, with an average response time nationally of under three minutes, and hitting the 90-second mark in all the big cities. Being spread out within the community, leveraging. Sorry, those are sirens going off here. Sorry, let me. Try I, I, I think, think, think
1: this week, Dove will forgive you.
0: Yeah, let me just put that on sorry, okay. second sorry do you hear those whistles
1: yeah very very loudly those
0: those are the air raid sirens coming in
1: oh do you have to go
0: no i get i get them nationally i get every oh i see okay right okay i put that on silent so that shouldn't bother us
1: well i think i think you should have your air raid siren on dov before we carry on as opposed to silencing it because you may have to go
0: so we're back to united so like i was saying um 90 second response in a in most of the big cities throughout Israel, having leveraging community, leveraging people that are outgoing about their day and are professional responders and are willing to drop everything and go as soon as their app goes off, that they are in the immediate vicinity of any medical emergency. That, in a nutshell, is United Hadzalah.
1: So Hadzalah within Israel, or you are in Israel, but it's not a Jewish-only organization. Tell us about that.
0: So United Hatzalah, like I said, is community-based, is community-based, and the community in Israel is comprised of of Jews, Muslims, Christians, and and many other uh, faith-based groups. It's just a cross-section of Israeli society. We have everybody um, volunteering together with one common cause of saving lives. And I think that especially in times like this, it's challenging on the one hand, but encouraging on the other hand, where we can see we can find this common ground of working together through this turmoil um, and saving lives together.
1: And, and that cross-section is vitally important as we'll come on to. So let's go back to, and I was gonna to talk to you before this week uh, started, of course, because you had, you've had had two exceptionally disastrous, tragic uh, mass casualty incidents. And and the first one is, uh, is Mount Meron where you guys were in the thick of it. Um, and this was a crush incident and so um first of all can you tell us what happened and then of course the response from hadzala and the other emergency services
0: yeah sure so so mount meron is a is a tomb of a of a, a ancient uh, rabbi from the second century uh which uh, many jewish there's another siren going on there that jewish believers um uh, have been going on to once a year on the on the um, sorry, this is really going crazy, sorry. Um, that people go up to once a year, and we're talking about three to 400,000 that, uh, people that come up to this mountaintop, to this top, to pray, to celebrate, to dance, to sing. Um, and, 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 and every year, while well, they're there, so United Hatzal volunteers, as well as other emergency medical services and emergency services in general go up there. It's like a big festival for those who aren't familiar with Jewish religion and it's geographically positioned in the northern of the Galilee, northern part of Israel in the Galilee in a very peripheral area, uh, small roads with access to the mountain and and securing this mountain medically for a a festival like this is challenging in itself, meaning we have every year over 600 um, EMTs, paramedics and doctors on the mountain throughout the period of the 24 hours of the festival um, spread out over the mountaintop, you know, for those regular incidents of dehydrations, um, um, uh, falls, burns, um, uh, fractures, et cetera.
1: S- sort of classic event standby.
0: Exactly, exactly a, st- a, a classic event standby, except in a very challenging geographical yep. uh, setting. Um, so, so we're usually pretty well prepared for that. And what happened this year was post-corona, this was actually the first uh, public Event on a scale of, of of a large amount of people um, that was a that, that was that that uh, that happened, and many people more than expected came up to the mountain uh, on this one period of time. And about eight hours into the event, um, there were thousands of people trying to make it through a very small alley uh, to make it out of one of the parts of the festival there, and they ended up. Um, literally just crushing each other um, on the on the escape path, um, and literally creating, it's not even a stampede, it's a crushing incident, because it was just thousands of people crushed each other, creating a massive human pile, um, with many challenges all around, the response, getting there, I mean, we had the responders that were on the mountain, and immediately made it through the crowds to the scene, and started to you know triage and and, and MCI protocol, but w- this event was evolving around them as opposed to standard MCI, which we know you have.
1: You, uh, you're there uh, when the, it's over.
0: Exactly, you get there when it's over, you have your hundred, two hundred people injured or whatever it is. And as time goes by, l- there are more responders and less victims and uh, because they are being evacuated. Here what happened was was the first core of responders that were on the scene, Started pulling people out and performing CPR, doing triage and whatever and whatnot, and and this event was evolving around. I mean, people being crushed around them, and they themselves were stampeded over by people trying to escape. And what happened was the the scale was growing around them for a period of about 15 minutes. The event kept growing, and if we started from a, a number of uh, of uh, people who were trapped and unconscious or and, and, and injured, by by the peak of this 15 minutes, we were talking about over forty, we were talking about forty-five people who were killed in the in the pileup, and another 200, 250 people that were injured. Um, we're talking about uh, multi trauma. We're talking about orthopedics. We're talking about head injuries. We're talking about um, uh, um, uh, you name it. Basically, anything you can imagine. And the evacuation process was very difficult because of the thousands of people crowding the mountain, uh, even closing off the emergency evacuation routes and and ambulances from getting onto the mountain it was a very challenging night there that said except for the 45 people who were um, who were killed in this incident the rest of the of the patients um, were have, have survived we didn't have any any additional fatalities there afterwards in the hospitals'
1: So yeah. that was a, a tragic event, clearly yeah. for those that uh, were in attendance. Uh, and and obviously there, there's a, a sort of a b- mental health issue for the for the responders. But we'll come to that because, of course, this yeah. just is the start of your month of May. Um, yes. m- moving on to uh, uh, Jivat Zave, which of course was the next mass casualty incident before again, we 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 still we'll, we haven't got to the, the the Hamas Gaza incident yet or but what happened next? So in Giba what happened was this was a a, a big temple
0: um, that um, the people gathered for a Jewish holiday here, and it, it, it's from a Hasidic community, from an ultra-orthodox community, which which gather about 2,000, 2,500 people inside a hall, and they and they stand and pray and dance on these sort of uh, stadium-style. Um, um, s- uh, it, it's like seats in a stadium, except they stand on them, and it was a collapse of one of these stadium sides. and And we're talking about two hundred and twenty people who who collapsed in this incident. um Unfortunately, two fatalities, a twelve year old child and a twenty three year old uh, young man. And the rest were, I would say there were about twenty five people severely injured, the rest moderate and lightly injured in this incident. And once again, um, standard MCI protocol, um, operating in a, in a residential, in a small, quiet residential neighborhood, um, with, uh, um, challenges of, of getting the ambulances in, of course, and evacuation staging area, etc. But, but at least in this incident, it, it, I would say it's more like a standard protocol MCI, which unfortunately we are well experienced with here in Israel. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was... Um, and, and that was uh, dealt with so it's, but it's one one incident leads to another here
1: <laughs> over the years Dov, of course we've we've lectured together as a team in the same room talking about international operations and you you spent many a time talking about your n- normal response which for the rest of us in the rest of the world you know bombings uh, terrorist terrorist incidents of terrorism would seem extreme it's it, I, I hate to use the word normalized for you guys but you've got a lot of experience at it but how, certainly for those two MCIs, how, is, how did that affect the team at Hadzala? And what would you say your biggest lessons identified have been up until that point?
0: So I would say the biggest challenge was on Mount Meron. So, so in Mount Meron, what was different was the, the evolving incident around them. What I found was, um, this incident started at 1246 AM, um, and, uh, the, the, the crushing incident there. And we finished transporting the last of the severely injured and moderately injured at about 1:50 um, uh, a.m. About one hour later, it took, which was relatively good. Um, and, and when we made it back up to our assembly area um, with the volunteers and, and gathered everyone, this was about 3:30 a.m. when we finished transporting all of the last of the lightly injured out of there. So obviously, we assembled. Uh, our responders there, we must have had about 150 over there. And what I, what I witnessed was something I've never went, witnessed before. And that was crumpling, crumpling of the volunteers. I'm talking about a mental status crumpling. Yeah. These volunteers who witnessed, I mean, we're all in the EMS field. We all witness death on a day-to-day basis. But to see the mass amount of, of fatalities of people who they actually saw um, suffocate and die in front of them without the ability to help them. Because of the, of the the crushing situation and the and the pileup of the thousands that were pouring in there, they they were simply traumatized. And we have a a, a unit in the organization called the psycho trauma unit, the Hosen unit, um, which is a it, it's a it's a resilience a, a psychological psycho trauma resilience unit which we usually use um, a, for the public for those. Um, uh, stress-related injuries, not not physical injuries, you know, for people who witness a a, a terror attack, for for those silent victims, we call them. And what happened was here, we had to put that in in full gear and and full speed to to start um, um, uh, ventilating our own volunteers um, and debriefing them on this situation, which was really, really, really stressful. Uh, Unfortunately, with my experience, so you know we've seen many things over the years, but a lot of them are have not been in the system for 20 years, and don't go back to the days of of the huge terror waves here of buses right. blowing up and 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 and, and multi terror attacks, and and to see a, a situation where you're there to respond and save lives, not only aren't you able to help these people, but you actually see them dying in front of your eyes without the ability to rescue them. That I think was the most um, challenging psychological part for them and we've been and we've been working with a lot of these volunteers over the past couple of weeks throughout everything else to to make sure that none of them get lost along the way and and and, and rather get them back on track with the psychotrauma therapy psychological uh, support and, and, and on scale that we've never seen before
1: with everything that's happened in the last 12 to 18 months with covid um for all of ems providers around the world resilience is a major function of leadership right now and keeping people going is a major activity but this is now piled on and we're not over this isn't over may isn't over and but what i wanted want to, what i want to do dob is come back and follow up on that if i may maybe in a few weeks to see how how things sure. have panned out but then the rockets came again obviously you guys are there you're very in close proximity to the communities in which you live how how have you coped
0: it, it's it's challenging because it's 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 challenging on so many fronts number one is it's affecting everyone when there are rocket sirens air raid sirens going off so people throughout the country throughout the tel aviv southern israel and, and all over are ordered to go into the shelters safe rooms and whatnot while the volunteers and responders are actually going out onto the streets to respond to those direct missile hits in their communities yep. and, and now obviously they feel um uh, responsible first of all to respond in their community because these are their neighbors these are members of their community
1: who they people may really, even know
0: they know them in many yep. cases they know them personally. And therefore they, they, and then at the same time, they know, wait a second, we're leaving our family back at home. There might be a direct hit on my house. So it's it's a very, very stressful situation. And I, I have to say that I see a, a maybe it's because uh, security situations uh, bring together the community and therefore build a stronger resilience of the community. I have not seen amongst our responders, um, uh, any meltdowns or, 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 or issues there. It, it really is seeing the mission of saving the lives of people within their community who've been hit by missiles. Um, and, 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 and then afterwards, they go home and, you know, they, they, they hug their family really strong. I mean, I myself, I myself am in this situation. It's not easy. You have, uh, you have to go out where it's unsafe. And uh, we all know that all my colleagues in EMS everywhere know what it's like.
1: Yep.
0: Um, and here it's just on steroids.
1: <laughs> from from a, from a personal perspective, Dov, Of course, uh, I, I've met your lovely wife and family, and uh, you've sent them away to a safer spot because, of course, you're in Ramla in Lod, which is also on the world news. But uh, but of course, the the, the the children are safe with the parents, right?
0: So I actually sent my my kids, my younger my younger children. Um, I, I personally at home don't have a, a, a shelter or a safe room, so um, my my, y- my younger children um, are finding it uh, terribly stressful and very hard to cope with uh, air raid sirens at two in the morning and four in the morning, rushing them out of bed and putting them under the beds in an inner room and, and hearing the detonations of Iron Dome or, or even direct missile hits just... Uh, Uh, A few days ago, there was a direct missile hit uh, about 500 meters away from my house, resulting in the the unfortunate death of a 16-year-old girl and her father, 40 years old. This is literally 500 meters away from my home. We felt the hit. My house uh, rumbled and and shook. My windows were shaking. And obviously, I immediately left and responded to that incident, but I, I could not blame my kids, and I could not provide them with that sense of security, so I simply took them to my parents that live in a different area in Israel, which is, which is not being uh, attacked as often, but yeah. at least they have a safe room and a shelter in their house. So, so I'm, I'm providing them with that, and you know what? It provides me with peace of mind to do to do what I'm doing while I know that they're in a safer environment
1: and and that's tremendous food for thought of for anybody listening that you know we we talk about in the us about you know when the hurricane's coming you leave the family at home hope they're going to be okay and get on with getting on but uh, this is a whole new extra added dimension but you're in the office in Jerusalem today operations are going on we can hear you know the, the and that's the national air raid sirens uh, going off for clearly more uh, incoming uh, missiles and ordnance the guys that are on the ground what type of injuries are they seeing
0: um so i would say the, the typical injuries from the missile attacks are are your typical uh, blast injuries we're talking about high velocity uh, shrapnel um, we're talking about um, severe uh, lacerations uh, um, and, and, and uh, um, you know extremities, massive bleedings from extremities. Um, a lot of use of, of tourniquets, um, uh, especially. Um, it really is your typical combat combat scene of of, of injuries, blast injuries combined with uh, heavy metal, um, and of course. Um, uh, a lot of uh, debris and and collapse, partial collapses of of structure of, of buildings, houses from the from the missile hits, burns uh, from the direct hits on on cars. Sorry, that's another siren going off now. Um, uh, direct hits on cars, burns, and, and and a lot of people hit from uh, from the glass explosions. And also we we've been dealing with a lot of uh, Um, I would say, um, light traumatic injuries from people running to shelter and falling, Um, whether it's uh, um, the more adult people that will be trying to make it to the safe room. And unfortunately, we've had two uh, senior citizens in their 80s running for the shelter, uh, slipping on the way, severe head injury, and unfortunate death as a result. And, And, you know, typical... Orthopedic um, and, 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 and injuries like that.
1: You are an international leader of some renown in the EMS uh, world. From a leader's perspective, what's the most important thing that you are doing for your folk right now?
0: I think that I, I don't need to motivate my people. My people are motivated by knowing that they're serving their community. Um, it's our job to, to really give them the, the support from around making sure that they have everything that they need, whether it's protective gear. We've supplied over a thousand um, uh, uh, sets of uh, bulletproof vests and and, uh, and and combat helmets, obviously all marked in orange, and, and making sure that anyone around understands that we are medical, we are not politically affiliated. We are there from the community as medical responders, um, uh, but we want to protect our our teams as best we can. Um, provide them with everything that they need on the supporting around, whether it's equipment, protective <laughs> gear, um, ambulances, additional. Uh, uh, additional uh, technological support communications et cetera, so they can do their job better in the community because they're they're on a mission
1: they are on a mission and uh, the world is watching that mission as it unfolds and uh, we're going to continue to watch and uh, dov i hope we can come back and follow up uh, maybe in a couple of weeks so if not sooner depending on the situation but uh, you've given us some some excellent insight into what's going on there i for one uh, as as your good friend are you know worried for you and yours and please stay safe and i think we all you know wish to extend that to you uh, but it's it's a challenge uh, of leadership it's a challenge of dedication and clearly you've got some amazingly dedicated folk there across the religious divide and i think that's really important to say that everyone's doing their bit right now for the moment Dov, thank you for talking to me and uh, good luck.
0: Thank you, Rob. Thank you very much.
1: We we finished recording. I just did my outro, but uh, Dov and I kept talking, and uh, uh, we're going to go back into the podcast, Dov, so I think this is fascinating. On the screen, and of course, we look at each other through the screen, you just showed me what you call the red web, which is the sort of air raid warning system. So how does that work?
0: So it basically is plugged into the Iron Dome system, the Iron Dome system, which is the the national protection system from the missiles incoming from uh, from gaza and what it does is it, it, it as soon as there is a launch of missiles from gaza it within a split second knows to identify where it's going to hit in israel and therefore it alerts a very specific area it doesn't go off throughout the country meaning if you're in the uh in the areas of the of the western negev which is closer to gaza you have 10 seconds to get into that shelter wow. 15 seconds and as we move up north to ashkelon And to Ashdod cities, which are cities of 100,000 and and, and um, 200,000 civilian population, we're talking about 30 seconds. If you're talking about Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv has 90 seconds from the moment of launch to the moment of hit of the missile. And an Iron Dome in Hope will detonate the missiles in midair, which is what we see on TV. Everybody sees on the media on TV are these uh, um, the detonations. But... Uh, they've challenged the iron dome and when you missile uh, you fire 40 missiles at the same time and there are only 20 iron dome detonators so you're bound to have direct hits right. and that's they, what they're we're trying to I, I
1: read hits. this in the news they're trying to work out what the saturation point is
0: exactly exactly wow. and, and that's why we see unfortunate direct hits on on houses and on, on and on cars um and and it's it's so important for people to really keep the the guidelines of the home front command which is yeah. be close to your safe room <laughs>
1: Well, 10 seconds from your safe room is almost like operating in your safe room, right?
0: Yes, wow. absolutely. And those and those farms and villages that are that are mainly farmers in that area. These are kibbutz and 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 villages that that usually do agriculture, they have about 10 seconds to get to get into their shelter or just lie down on the ground and, and pray for the best.
1: People just need to realize that if I said you've got 10 seconds to take cover, I'm not sure I could pull out this chair and get under the desk in 10.
0: And I'll tell you honestly, Rob, I've I been I've been down there for the past uh, for the past nine days, every day with my with my volunteers down there, responding myself as as a medic, on the scene. I myself have been to the scenes of, of of fatalities of direct hits to houses, and and when we're driving on the road and the air raid siren goes off and I have 15 seconds, all I do is pull to stop, jump out of the car and lie down on the ground, head down, hands over my head, and and pray for the best. And I, and I see the missiles over my head. And the detonations and 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 shrapnel flying everywhere. Actually, my my car, my car had a direct hit of a piece of shrapnel on the front windshield while I was outside on the floor.
1: And everybody, just stop and think about that for a second. You know, you were boy. I can In fact, that don't think about thing. that. I don't want. I, I don't want don't to think about know. that. No, don't I'm
0: think not. About that, I I wish all my colleagues everywhere to never need to think about these things.
1: Well, thank you for alerting us to that. Um, this time, this will be the end of the show, but uh, that's something, Dov, that I think everybody just needs to hear that, uh, you know, added to the fact that you're responding, you're also a target um, and, uh, you know, you've got to look after yourself. So please, mate, look after yourself. Um, give our best to everybody there. Um, hopefully a lot of people will hear this interview um, and uh, stay safe. So that was uh, my interview with uh, Dov Maisel. I hope that uh, we get to talk to him again very, very soon. As you can see, they are going through the ringer, the mill, the war, the disaster. And uh, there's lessons for us all to learn. But right now, we hope they all stay very, very safe. Um, that's all from me. You can follow us again on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, uh, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you've enjoyed this show, please take a moment to rate it and review us on Apple Podcasts. For this EMS One Stop Special, I've been Rob Lawrence, and until next time, bye for now.